Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Time in his presence is so precious. The funny thing is, is we're doing this study from Jonathan Edwards for class, and uh, last week we did a chapter on um, his 13 hours of a day spent studying. And we all kind of laughed about it because we're all spending quite a bit studying the whole class. And um, me, especially this week, is like insane with you. And I feel like I'm studying 13 hours a day, yet I came here completely needing to spend time with him. And so, so often we, we even just get used to our routines. And because we are in church or we are in a care group or we are, you know, doing our devotion life, we just forget that we need that extra time, that extra special. You know, how many of you know, like, it's nice to come home when there's flowers? Or it's nice to get an unexpected card saying, hey, I miss you, or I'm just thinking of you? It's the same thing with Jesus. And we just put aside just an extra time to say, hey, I miss you. I need you. I want you. Because he comes right back and says, oh, honey, I've been missing you. I've been waiting for you to run to my arms today. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 3.1. Hebrews is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I cannot wait to teach that class in Bethesda. But we're about a year off from it, so I'll have to just be patient. So Hebrews 3.1, and it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. And that word to consider is a Greek word, kataneo, and it means to observe fully, to sit back and to observe, to watch to observe every angle, to fully get all of it, to behold it, and to discover it. Jesus is a person waiting to be discovered. Think about when a woman's pregnant. You've got nine months. You've got 40 weeks to think about that little baby coming. And you start thinking about their toes and their ears and their nose. And, you know, when they kick a lot and you're wondering, oh, my gosh, are they going to just be active? Or why aren't you kicking enough? And I wonder, I can't wait to hear you say my name. And, and, you, and you, you just can't wait. And then, and then they come and, and it's like, oh, I can't wait. And they stood up and you're like, I want you to walk and I want you to do this. And you're so excited to discover life again. All of a sudden, you discover the flowers again, and you discover the animals and, and the books and the nursery rhymes you haven't read, and you're discovering. It's the same thing with Jesus, that, that he's this huge package. The person of Jesus is this package for us to discover for the rest of eternity. And so I know I just taught seeing and savoring, but we're going to look at it from a different angle. Because I want to discover him again in my life. So Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who passed 
through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so I want to look at this verse that he passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God. Jesus represents God to the sons of God. He represents God to us. When Jesus came down and he passed through the heavens, he was God coming to man. He had to come down to be man, what? To be a sacrifice for you and me. We needed a man. We needed a human sacrifice for our sins. There had to be a blood sacrifice for you and I so that justice could be served. But he not only passed through once, he passed through again. He passed through this time in a different form. He didn't pass through just as God coming to earth, although that was great enough. But he had indeed become man. He had taken on flesh and now passes through the heavens once again to represent God, to God, as a son of man. As a son of man on your behalf and my behalf. And so we have to look at that difference. We have to consider to discover what that means for you and I. All have sins and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, not one. We, me, but filthy rags. Me, separated from God because of my uncleanliness. Needed a sacrifice. Needed God to come down. Take on the form of man. Learn what it is to crawl himself and talk. Learn what it is in life to grow up. Just so that he could take on my sin, just so that he could become the propitiation for you and I, so that he could once again pass through the heavens to sit at the right hand of God, to represent to God as a son of man on behalf of you and me. That is our high priest. Why is the high priesthood so important? Why, why is it that he's a picture of Melchizedek? Because he always has been as God, and always will be as a son of God, sitting at the right hand of the Father on our behalf. Having passed through the heavens, having paid the price, he sits as our heavenly high priest. That is huge. Huge. We don't have a high priest. You know, back in the Old Testament, they had to get new ones all the time. And if the one didn't do his job right... He'd go and the little bell would ring and they'd think, oh, there we go, lost another one. Pull him out. It's not going to happen with Jesus. And if they didn't have to pull him out, guess what? He'd croak one day because they were mortal. They were, they, they were, they were, of, the, they were of the natural state. Christ Jesus will always live to make intercession, sitting at the right hand of God on our behalf as a son of man, blood shed for you and I. Let's do this quote, um, Tony. It says, The name of Jesus speaks of his humanity and of his work as a savior from sin. This is the first work of the priest, the cleansing, the putting away of sin. 
You know, so often people come to the Lord. People come to the altars. You meet people, and we're so scared. They're right up there, right up to the banqueting table of Christ, right there. And we just want to tell them, God is so good. Yeah, he is. But guess what? Oh, my goodness. The first work of the priest is the cleansing and the putting away of sin. We can't, we can't shy away from saying, it's not by accident you're here today. It is not by accident you're here in the right place at the right time for the reason of salvation. We all needed it. I needed it. Let me tell you, you can't say the same. What's brought you to this place is exactly what you've been doing. He wants you to turn from it. He's paid the ultimate price for you and I. The cleansing and the putting away of sin. The name Son of God speaks of his divinity and his high power. His power as high priest really to bring us to God into the very life and fellowship of the Holy One. It is in his son God speaks to us. It is to the perfect fellowship and blessedness of the ever-blessed one that our great high priest that is passed through the heavens can and does indeed bring us. Thank you, Lord. Let's look a little bit more at his heavenly ministry. So oftentimes people, we, we want to stop because it's pretty, which how can... Dying on the cross, being beaten and bruised for you and I. And how can that be pretty, right? But, but man can package it pretty that Jesus came to die for our sins and then we leave it there. But he didn't stop there. He rose again. And he didn't stop there, but he ascended. He ascended into heaven and he, he had an earthly ministry. He had an earthly ministry and that was to bring us into right fellowship with God. But that earthly ministry isn't the only ministry Christ has. He seats, sits, at the heavenly, sits in the heavenlies with a ministry for you and I forever as our high priest. And so that's really what the whole book of Hebrews is about. The whole book of Hebrews is about you and I going, Andrew Murray says, into a deeper place. Into a deeper place of understanding the fellowship and the relationship that Jesus has sitting in the heavens as our heavenly minister, as our heavenly advocate, as our high priest. And so Hebrews 4.16 says, therefore, let us come boldly. Everybody say boldly. Boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Jesus made a way that you and I get direct access into the throne of God. Before in the Old Testament, you, you couldn't. Only the high priest could. Not even every priest could. It would only the Pope. Only the high priest could go in. And he had to go and offer sacrifices for you and I. Could you imagine you having to worry about me and whether I went and offered your sacrifice properly? No, no. Jesus came and was our sacrifice for each and every one and made a way possible for you and I to say, Hey, God, I need you right now. I don't know what's happening, but I need you. I need the creator of the heavens and the earth. I need the one who rose from the dead on my behalf to come into my situation to come into my heart, to come into my mind. I don't know what's wrong with me today. I feel like a crazy person. I need you. How many of you ever felt like that? 
You're like, what am I doing? This doesn't look like Jesus. But Jesus made a way for us to not stay in that place. For us to not stay in the place of depravity, stay in the place of need, stay in the place of want, but be able to go to him and say, I want you. Like that song we were singing, I need you. I love you. I need you. I don't even know how to do this on my own, but I know you do. And I want you. Jesus paid that way. We take it for granted. We take it for granted because we can flip on the station and hear worship and praise and, and be like, yeah, I was chilling to worship music, but you never entered in. You never actually had a conversation with him. You never actually let him into the car with you. He provided a way into the holies of holies that you and I could run boldly to the throne of grace. He opens the heavens for you and I in prayer. It's by the blood we can go to the heavens in prayer. We take it so much for granted. But he, his blood, his resurrection allows us to pray. To not pray into the, into the, um, the wind or the trees, but to pray directly to our Father in heaven. The work of Christ as our high priest is so perfect and his power in heaven so divine that he not only gives us the right and liberty to draw nigh, but by his priestly action he does in very deed and truth so take possession of our innermost being and inward life and draw and bring us nigh that our life can be lived in God's presence. In other words, that's the sovereignty of God that we're talking about. That, that he even, in his high priestlyhood, working on our behalf, even comes, how? By the baptism in the Holy Ghost. What does the Bible say? That no one can call on the name of Jesus, but how? By the Holy Spirit. And so it's the Holy Spirit, it's the baptism, it's the heavenly ministry of Jesus as he sits in the heavens and sees Pastor Grace, Pastor Heather, Rose, all of us going through life and in need of him and we're going about our business trying to figure out how we're going to get it done. And then he in the heavens sits there and has made a way and by his spirit draws us into a place of prayer, draws us into a place of intimacy with God because he knows our deepest needs. So he's not just sitting there saying, Rose, when are you going to get on those knees? He's saying, come, my beloved. Come. Come and dance with me. I've got a song to sing over you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And so all those times when we're thinking, well, I don't need to be that spiritual. I mean, I prayed this morning. That's not you thinking. That's Jesus saying, I miss you. I've got a gift for you. Can you come? Can you come behind in the closet? Can you get in the prayer closet with me? Because I got something sweet to tell you today. Can you come away with me? We receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. Mercy, freedom from the things we deserve. Freedom. You know, there, God is a just God. And it's by his mercy. That he frees us from things that, that we really, really deserve. It's not, you know, this super special, I'm just a special person and I get to get out of things. No, 
He's sitting up there and working on our behalf as children of God, as those covered by the blood. Covered by the blood. He walks with us and he talks with us and he maneuvers us through life, granting us mercy in our very time of need. How many times did you find yourself going, oh, but God, I know I'm wrong, but please don't. Please, God, if there be any way. That's him. That's him coming on the scene of our life, giving mercy where we really are due what? Judgment. In drawing nigh to the throne of grace, the mercy seat in prayer, we receive mercy. We experience that God pardons and accepts and he loves. You know, so often, even, you know, I shared Sunday how I'd smoked for a number of years, and I think I shared it Sunday. Maybe I shared it some other time when I was sharing this week. But I smoked for years after, and, and I would come, and I probably quit smoking 300 times in a three-year period, maybe 600 times. And, and, and you feel like you can't go. You feel like after a while you just can't go back, you can't go back and ask. But the awesome thing about his mercy is that he accepts us just the way that we are. He already knew that I was going to take 600 times to quit before he actually set me free when I wasn't even trying. He sees us, come on, in the very thing that we're doing. And even though the world says that, that we're in error and we're wrong and that we deserve to be punished and we deserve to, you know, not only have our face slapped but probably knocked out, he says, I give you mercy. I accept you just as you are. I love you. You're my child. You're my beloved. I want you. I want to use you. I want to spend time with you. I've got a purpose for your life. You know, here we have Paul, who was Saul, and he was killing Christians. Yet the mercy of Christ came. And look, look at his life. Peter, a pompous jerk, denied Christ. Yet there was mercy to be found, acceptance where he was, and love. He didn't leave them how they were, but he accepted them and he loved them. There's grace to help. And that grace is for timely help, a well-timed help, just the special help we need at each moment. I love these examples of, of, of his grace to come and help. So to succor, succor, S-U-C-C-O-R, succor, to help me in my weakness and in my temptation. You know, there's grace in Christ that he sits in the heavenly places to come alongside of you. And I, how many of you have that person when they come in the room or you go to the family reunion and you're like, ah, 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 and sets everything off inside of you? There's somebody for each of us. He's there to help in your weakness and in your temptation. Come on. He sits in the heavens providing grace for our time of need. When we think, oh, that's just how it is. Every time I see Susie Q, I'm going to blow up, and I'm just going to have to go to the mercy seat and ask for forgiveness. And his grace comes alongside and says, uh-uh, no way, sister. I am here in your weakness, in your time of need to provide grace for you, a supernatural help in time of need that you overcome it. You don't have to succumb to it, but I'm going to come in your weakness. I'm going to come. My grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. 
Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Jesus became man. Jesus became a man. Because he passed through the heavens and became a man, he had every emotion that you and I have. He was tempted in every way. You don't think women came and tried to give themselves to him? You don't think pompous men came and tried to get in his face and get him started? You don't think growing up it wasn't hard to be the carpenter's son? Jesus was tempted in every way possible that you and I were, yet he did not sin. That's why he can sit in the heavens as our perfect high priest, making intercession for us because he gets the emotions of man. He gets the temptations that you and I have been under. And he can sit there in heaven and provide a way for you and I, provide the very help that we need because he's not some faraway God that is clueless to where we are and what we're going through. He gets it. He's become man. Hebrews 2.18 says, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Another example of, of well-timed help is to frap. How many of you like frappuccinos? This has nothing to do with a frappuccino, but you will always remember that Jesus is my frap. So to frap would mean to bind together tightly. How many of you remember Isaiah 61? That he's come to what? To bind the brokenhearted. If you're going to frap a ship, you're going to take a rope or a chain and frap the vessel. Meaning in the time of a, and it's in um, Acts 21, was it? Did I write it down? Of course I didn't write it down. Um, It's highlighted somewhere, I think Acts 27. But they were, they, the ship was found in a storm, and they were worried that it was going to um, run ashore and that it was going to fall apart. I mean, you know, that would be bad. That would be real bad. So what do they do? But they had the vessel frapped, which means they take it from front to back, and they have men that go under. Could you imagine in the storms? And you take the, the rope or the chain, and you go underneath the vessel, and you bring it back up, and you keep going round and round to bind the ship together, that lest it, what, come ashore, come up beside that mountain, it doesn't, what, fall apart, break into a million pieces. And so Jesus, as our heavenly high priest, binds us together in him. He fraps you and I. Right when you think, I can't take anymore, I'm falling apart, don't you know I'm weak? He's frapping us. He's got that chain. He's got that rope of his love frapping you right in the middle of your circumstance and saying, baby, I got you. Don't you know this is the acceptable year of the Lord? Don't you know I've come to bind the brokenhearted? I've come that you not fall apart, for I'm all that you need. Isn't that awesome? He fraps us. He's there to help us persevere in the storms. Hebrews 6.19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner entered before us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. 
Adam Clark says this. He says, the storms of life continue but a short time. The anchor, the hope, if fixed by faith in the internal world, will infallibly prevent all shipwreck. The soul may be strongly tossed by various temptations, but will not drive because the anchor is sure ground. And it's steadfast. It does not drag. It does not break. What is the anchor of our souls? I love that. I'm putting that on my Facebook tonight. Y'all go find it. What's the anchor of our soul? That's our, that's our logo thing for a night of hope. This hope we have is an anchor of our soul. What's the hope? Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in his blood. Our hope is in his heavenly ministry. That he has gone before us and prepared the way. He has paid the price for you and I. And he doesn't leave us as orphans. He has come (laughs) as our heavenly high priest. He has come as our baptizer in the Holy Ghost. He has come as our counselor, our best friend, our Jehovah Jireh. He has come as our all in all, the anchor of our soul. If I put my hope in a denomination, if I put my hope in a church, if I put my hope in my religion, if I put hope in my ministry, in my marriage, if I put hope in anything but Christ, when the storms of life will come, I'll get drugged by. And I don't know where I'm going to end up. I may end up in some cult. But if I have a hope as the anchor of my soul that no matter what kind of storms come and the Katrinas come, my friend, they come. I'm grounded in Christ. I'm grounded. I'm wrapped in him. I've got an anchor that goes down for all of eternity that he's paid the price. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He that began the work in me is faithful to see it to completion. He helps us to persevere in storms. I went to this Baptist church after I got born again. They let my boyfriend play the guitar the first day we went, so we were hooked. (laughs) And we went through a really tough time. So I went to see the associate pastor for counseling, and they had no women in ministry there, so it was all men stuff. And so I'm like, I'm crying as a man. And And he, of course, says, I don't know what to tell you, ma'am. How many of you know when a woman's crying, it's a little, for a man, you're kind of like, okay, am I going to set her off? What's going to happen? And he was, he really was a precious man. But he says, I really don't know what to tell you, except get a hold of Christ. If you can get a hold of the cross in the middle of this, you'll be okay. Regardless of which way you go and what happens, if you can get a hold of the cross, If we can get a hold of Christ as the anchor of our situation, everything's going to be all right. He intercedes for me. Hebrews 7.25 says that he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. How? Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Andrew Murray says this, Without ceasing, there streams forth from him to the Father the prayer of his love for everyone and every need of those that belong to him. His very person and presence is that prayer and I love that picture 
is that he, he never ceases. He's always sitting at the right hand, and his, he's always interceding for you and I. He's always taking every need we have, even the needs before we understand that they're a need. He's on our behalf. He's not saying, oh, Daddy, look at Joe, what Joe's doing. Did you see that? He's saying, go, Joe, go. Go, Joe, go. Dad, Dad, right now, right now. Hey, you know what, Dad? I think this, let's bless Joe with this today. Hey, Dad, Joe's a little tired today. Can we come up beside of him? He's constantly got you and I on his heart. He's constantly in love. Got your name before the Father. Got your need before the Father. Before that letter ever came in the mail, Jesus was already on the scene saying, Hey, Dad, can you give, can you give Grace an extra five minutes of sleep right there? She's going to need it before she opens that. <laughs> He's always making intercession for you and I. That Hebrews says that he also came to what? To save to the uttermost. That word save is the sozo. To save our spirit, soul, and body. You know, that includes our mind, our will, and our emotions. When Christ came, because he became man, because he's all God, because he forever sits at the right hand of God as a son of man, to make intercession for you and I. Because he's, he's done all that. He's experienced all that there is of man, but all God. Because his blood was shed for us. He got and gets to save every part of you and I. It's not just for our, our spirit man to be able to dance on streets of gold. Come on. It's so that our entire being on this side of heaven and beyond can glorify him. Meaning because he, he came and he was tempted but was without sin, he, his blood, his blood has paid the price for our mind, will, and our emotions. His blood has paid the price for those experiences that we've had. His blood has paid the price. So when people say, you just don't know what I've been through and what I've seen. No, I don't. And I've got compassion for you. But I know that the blood of Christ has paid for that problem, has paid for that issue. And there's not one thing that anybody that's ever lived or ever will live has been through that's too much for him. Because he's come to save us to the uttermost. He's come to save us for all time. And in all ways that we need him, our mind to be right, our emotions to be right, our physical body to be healed, our inner man to have an awakening to the spirit of God, be born again. He has paid the price for it all. His grace is enough for your life. One, I had this one person one time was like, but she just doesn't understand. I said, oh, I am so sorry. I am so, excuse me, I didn't realize that his grace wasn't enough for you alone. I didn't realize you were that great. And they just looked at me like, are you serious? You just said that. That's what you're telling me. That's what you're telling me. There's a time to vent. There's a time to emotionally process it. And then there's a time to lay it at the altar to lay it at the altar and watch him come in our weakness and be all sufficient 
He came to save us to the uttermost, holy, every part of our being. Because he abideth forever, because he ever liveth to make intercession, because he is a priest forever, who exercises every function in his office in an endless life power that never for a moment intermits into action, he is able to save us completely. Isn't that awesome? We're going to wrap up with this. Pastor Grace, you want to come up? Hebrews 10, 19. He's our heavenly high priest and the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The way of death is the way of life. As we know him in the power of his resurrection, he leads us forth into the conformity of his death. He does it in the power of the Holy Spirit, so deliverance from sin and fellowship with God, which he inaugurated, work in us, and we are born along as he was there, as he was to where he is. As we spend time with him, as we discover Christ, we find ourselves taking our place in his death and in his resurrection. It's in his presence that fullness of joy comes. It's in his presence that all of our needs are met. It's in his presence that he supernaturally gives us the ability to live a life we otherwise couldn't live. He's the heavenly baptizer. He forever sits in heaven pouring himself out a river clear as crystal over you and I, that we could have all of that access and so much more every day in every way. Why don't you join me, stand. need a fresh fresh dose the heavenly ministry of Christ so often we, we look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit as just this super spiritual quack stuff but do you get how, how much how much gold, how much wealth how much resource of the kingdom of heaven is found in the heavenly ministry of Christ and so I feel deep within my being that we all need a fresh baptism tonight. And so maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit since you were four. There's a fresh baptism for you tonight. There's a fresh wind of heaven. And I would love the opportunity to lay hands on you and to let let Jesus come once again into your life. Once again, giving you a fresh, fresh strengthening from heaven. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. 
For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.